It is Crossover Thursday. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons. And we're going to find out if the Falcons can devastate the city of New Orleans by knocking them out of playoffs in week 18. And I'm Ross Jackson, host of Locked on Saints. We're going to find out if New Orleans Saints can keep their playoff hopes alive in their home away from home, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. (laughs) You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So what's up, guys? You are here for a crossover Thursday. Of course, you know me, Aaron Freeman, host of the Locked On Falcons podcast. You know me on Twitter at FalcFans. And today I'm joined by my bitter rival and dear friend. Ross Jackson, the host of Locked on Saints, and we're going to be previewing this week 18 matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and New Orleans Saints here in Atlanta as the Saints are in a must-win situation. They don't quite control their destiny fully in terms of their ability to get in the playoffs, but they need to beat the Falcons to have any chance. And of course, the Falcons will do everything in their power to devastate the city of New Orleans and the state of Louisiana uh, and and end that season prematurely. So Ross, my friend, let's get into it. What's, what's the big question beyond, you know, uh, this must win situation for the saints heading into Sunday. Look, I I think you kind of made reference to it here. And, you know, uh, as, as everybody here is making us their first listen of the day, I'm willing to start off with a little bit of violence, I guess, if I need to. But the fact of the matter is that the New Orleans Saints are in a must win situation here, right? They have to, they have to get this win if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive. As you mentioned, they need a little bit of help, right? They need the Rams to knock off the Seahawks. That game will happen. Excuse me. Rams knock off the 49ers. That game will happen simultaneously to this one. But what I need to know very quickly is, whether or not there's any chance, I don't know if you have to call like Arthur Blank, maybe Arthur Smith, Arthur the Aardvark, I don't care who you got to call, but call somebody and just let them know like, hey, you don't, Falcons don't need this. They don't need this. They just let this happen. You know what I'm saying? Because Saints have have a path to the playoffs here. And the Falcons, of course, being the team to stand in the way. Well, it's interesting you say that, Ross, because I know there's a big group of people watching us or listening to us right now on a variety of podcast platforms that these two shows are available on, uh, including on YouTube, that are hoping that the Falcons lose this game, uh, at least Falcon uh-huh. fans, because go. they are big believers that this team is in the midst of a rebuild. they got to get that high draft pick, can't ruin their chance uh, to secure a top 10 draft pick. Uh, and so they are actually wishing for the team to lose this game. Uh, but I think the vast majority of Falcon fans out there that aren't necessarily obsessed with the draft and getting that high draft pick really would love, they would love to get that high draft pick, but they would also love for the Arthur Smith era to really start off strong by sweeping the saints, something the Falcons haven't done since what? 2016. Yeah. Um, They've only done twice in the Sean Payton era. Mm -hmm. Um, But if they can do it now, then we really can say it's the Drew Brees era because probably Drew Brees was probably the bigger factor in that equation since once the Drew spin Brees move left, and Drew stuff Brees. like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it, we'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I think, you know, for the Falcons, whether or not they can do that, I think the big question is going to be involving their rookie tight end Kyle Pitts and yeah. whether or not he's going to play this weekend, dealing with a hamstring injury that forced him to exit the bills game last week. And 
while Arthur Smith is not necessarily candid on injury updates, basically said we haven't ruled him out yet when he gave the update on Monday. And that, to me, as I am want to be a little pessimistic when it comes to some of these things, sounded like he's not going to play this week and he did not practice on Wednesday. So we'll see what his status is later in this week. But losing him is going to be a, a significant blow because we both know that he was a big part of the Falcons' offensive success in that Week 9 win. And uh, the good thing, though, for the Falcons, unlike it was against the Bills in the second half, they are getting Hayden Hurst back from Mm -hmm. the reserve COVID list. So they do have an option at tight end rather than having to go to what has been their normal fourth string tight end in in Parker Hesse off the practice squad last week. Uh, They will get their backup tight end in Hayden Hurst back uh, and hopefully he'll have a big day uh, stepping in. We also know a big part of the Falcons' success in that week nine win was Cordero Patterson. For sure. And so I think you'll probably see the Falcons do what they did in that game, line Patterson up a lot more at the wide receiver position to give them a little bit more potency at that spot. Uh, And that probably means that Mike Davis will take the bigger brunt of the carries out of the backfield. And that could be a positive for the Falcons, given that Mike Davis has actually outplayed Cordero Patterson, at least as a runner. Uh, these last couple of weeks, and maybe that gives the Falcons a little bit more oomph in their ground game, which I think mm-hmm. will be a key part of their game plan going into this Week eight mat- 18 matchup. Um, yeah. uh, talking about matchups, we'll get into more, but is there anything else, Ross, you want to get into before yeah. we get into those key matchups? Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up both of those receiving options in, in, in Kyle Pitts as well as Cordero Patterson, because as you mentioned, I mean, if, if Kyle Pitts does end up being available, I know you're not feeling too keen on it at this moment, but if he does end up being available, which would be the New Orleans Saints luck, of course, there's always some player that's you know on the fringe of maybe being able to play, not able to play that, of course, ends up playing. And so, you know, you won't catch any Saints fans holding their breath around that. But Saints looking to potentially get a couple of injury returns themselves. Uh, Teron Armstead did not participate in practice this week. You mentioned, uh, or on Wednesday, excuse me, you mentioned Mike Davis in the run game. A big part of stopping the run game has been not only Cam Jordan, but his sort of bookend opposite him in Marcus Davenport. Marcus Davenport didn't produce or didn't uh, participate in practice, but has produced quite a bit in the pass rush over these past few games. The Saints right now up in the, the top three in terms of what they're doing so far over the course of the last four games, allowing only 12.3 points per game with Taysom Hill at the helm, which is a big piece, big thing that they need to be able to do. And that's another huge story for this team is how that defense is going to be able to perform against, in my opinion, a more talented offense if Kyle Pitts is on the field and, and, and otherwise an offense just as talented as the Carolina Panthers I would say who they just beat last week. I think they're more talented than Carolina with Kyle Pitts on the field, but that's a huge weapon to lose, right? So there's going to be at least a little bit of a drop off there if they can't get there. And then for the Saints, the other return that their Saints fans should be looking forward to and that Atlanta Falcons fans should have their eyes on is Ryan Ramchek on the offensive line, along with Teron Armstead. As we mentioned, Teron Armstead didn't participate in practice on Wednesday, but Ryan Ramchek limited on Wednesday coming back off of the COVID-19 list. He's missed each of the last seven games. The Saints haven't had both of those tackles in for quite a while with Tron Armstead having missed six of the last eight. So getting either one or potentially, fingers crossed, both of those pieces back in this game would be huge for the Saints, Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill, and their run game on the offensive side for sure. Yeah, I think the Saints offensive line being back at full strength will be a, a big key for them uh, coming up in a key matchup going up against a Falcons pass rush that has been abysmal this season. But certainly uh, as abysmal as the Falcons have been this season rushing the quarterback, uh, they will benefit from 
the Saints losing their two bookends. And mm-hmm. we'll get into whether or not the Falcons can exploit that matchup, uh, whether both of those guys are back, as well as some other key matchups as we continue today's crossover Thursday here on the, the Locked On Falcons and Locked On Saints podcast. But before we get into all of that, guys, we're talking about key matchups. What about these key matchups this weekend? Well, the way that you can take advantage of that is by heading over to the number one spot for betting action this season, pro college football, basketball, hockey, all the way to your favorite Vegas casino games. Of course, I'm talking about bet online. Just head to the website, the new updated desktop or mobile website at betonline.ag. And when you do sign up with the promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. That means if you deposit 500 bucks, you get $250 in free money to play with. That's $250 in free money that you can put on this Falcons Saints Sunday afternoon matchup where the Saints are favored by four points, but that's down from a four and a half point spread earlier this week. So the money is going in on the Falcons side. So that means maybe if you want to see if this line moves a little bit more in the Falcons favor, you may want to wait till later in the week to put in your money at bet online, or maybe you want to take advantage before this line moves any further. So go ahead, sign up for bet online, your online sports experts and where the game starts. So we're continuing crossover Thursday here uh, for uh, Locked on Falcons, Locked on Saints. Ross Jackson over there getting his Dancing. shimmy on. Uh, Dancing. Aaron Freeman here. <laughs> <laughs> and we're let's talk about some of these key matchups. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the Saints offensive line uh, going up against this Falcons pass rush. But for me, when I look at the, the sort of the key matchup that I'll be focused on in this game, mm-hmm. it's with the Falcons offensive line going up against the Saints pass rush. We saw Cameron Jordan have a monster game this past week has come on. I thought started off a, a little bit slow uh, mm-hmm. given his usual this season, and but has really come on these last couple of weeks and, and really played at a high level. Uh, and I, that matchup that he's going to have that he's gone up against many times over the last couple of years and, and usually dominated the last couple of years is going up against the Falcons right tackle, Kayla McGarry and Ross, you may not know this, but here on lockdown Falcons, I have, made frequent trips to the vacation destination of Kayla McGarry Island, where I am the only resident that defends <laughs> McGarry and his performance. Uh, the vacation home there is decrepit. The food tastes bad. It's not a great place to be. Uh, but uh, I, I still think that it's a better island than some of the other options when it comes to the Falcons offensive line. And, and this game really is it for Kayla McGarry. This mm-hmm. is a make or break type of performance that can justify the, the rental that I have at, at Caleb McGarry Island, <laughs> uh, as far as that goes, he, he needs to have a strong game against Cameron Jordan to end this season, because right now the Falcons offensive line looks like the biggest area of concern heading into this offseason. And it's something that the Falcons are going to desperately try to upgrade in order to get more out of this offense in the year of 2022. And the question is going to be, do they prioritize the interior of the offensive line where they have some obvious holes mm-hmm. or do they also need to throw in that right tackle position? And Kayla McGarry can really put a stamp on and say, look, I have made significant gains. I had a decent game in that week nine matchup against Cameron Jordan. Most of Jordan's success came going up against Jake Matthews on the opposite mm-hmm. side. 
And now I can do it again by keeping him contained in this game. And it's not as if the Saints don't have other pass rushers that can get home. You mentioned Marcus Davenport, David Anyamata. They have so many other guys. But Cameron Jordan has been the guy that has routinely taken over these games and has feasted on Matt Ryan so many times over the years. Caleb Gary has to step up uh, and, and, and keep him in check, keep him contained. Uh, and if he can do that, then finally, maybe I'll get a couple of other vacationers on Caleb McGarry Island. Maybe get some neighbors. <laughs> or, or otherwise, we're just going to have to burn the whole place down, and, and the Falcons will be probably potentially looking to move on this offseason. So that's going to yeah. be the key matchup for me. If, if the Falcons can keep Cameron Jordan in check, then I think they should be able to keep everybody else in check, and that should give this offense down one of their big playmakers, Kyle Pitts, more opportunities and Matt Ryan more time in the pocket to, to find those open receivers down the field. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I probably don't need to harp on this at all. But when it comes to what Cam Jordan has done against Matt Ryan, in particular, 22 career sacks against Matt Ryan, more than any defender has on an individual quarterback in NFL history. Um, and he's able to do it from a bunch of different places. You know, you observed his, his sort of uh, success last time in week nine coming against Jake Matthews, but they've also been using him on the inside a lot too. But the, the Saints having David Onyemata, having Marcus Avonport alongside him and in that offensive line, or excuse me, defensive line with him has been hugely beneficial for his production late in the season. He credits all of it, his production late in the season. Didn't get his first sack until week seven, has 11 and a half on the season, seven and a half over the last three games. He's been absolutely on fire. So this is another reason why paying attention to the injury report and Marcus Davenport is so important. Because then you, it kind of makes you wonder if Marcus Davenport isn't able to be there, can Cam Jordan still be impactful? I think he can. It would just take them probably moving him around a bit. He'd have to be a little bit more of an interior guy on a couple of occasions and stuff like that. So definitely something to watch. But yeah, that's, that's a huge, huge matchup and could dictate the course of the game depending upon how early, how quickly, and what the full-on impact is if he can get after and get in, in get to Matt Ryan. Because I know that they're very intent on causing as many turnovers when getting to the quarterback this season was a big focus for them, right? They have gotten 41 sacks so far this season, and they're always trying to figure out, can they rake at the ball? Can they get the ball out of the quarterback's hands? So huge there. I think for the Saints, another one that I'm going to be watching is going to be Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara and, and Deion Jones, that second level of the, uh, of the Atlanta Falcons defense, a, a real dynamic duo there. Uh, along with Foyer, I mean, those guys are outstanding, the two of them, and they could go sideline to sideline. They're so athletic. They can make plays in the run game. They can cover. They can blow up. They can get into the backfield, all that. So I think that that ends up being a big focus for the Saints, who might have found a way to get creative enough to revitalize their run game a bit in the second half against Carolina, and I'm curious to see how much of that carries through in this game. They had minus four rushing yards going into halftime against Carolina, which is kind of inexcusable. They're one of the three worst totals of the season so far. I think it actually ties for the worst because I believe the worst was the New England Patriots against Carolina, which was like minus four as well. But then they racked up 77 rushing yards in the second half, including a couple of big runs for Alvin Kamara as well as Taysom Hill. So I think you're going to see a lot of design runs for Taysom. You're going to see a lot of man blocking schemes. The Saints are usually a bit of a zone blocking scheme team, but without those starting offensive linemen, they've struggled there a little bit. So they've kind of found ways to cut it in between and run a lot more kind of split zone actions with the tight end, grabbing the unblocked uh, backside defender, for instance, which is 
gives you a little bit more man blocking concepts within a zone blocking scheme, a little bit more comfortable for the younger offensive line. That's, you know, last week was on its second string center, third string tackle, a second string tackle, and a second string left guard with only one starter there. And it was Cesar Ruiz who struggled so far this season. So it was not great, but the Saints found a way to get it done. And so I think that it's a combination of that and mixing up the personnel on the offensive side in terms of the skill position players to try to get uh, Atlanta as light as possible on the defensive side, as many defensive backs on the field as they can try to force for Atlanta so that they can get that run game going a bit. And I think the Saints will need that because I don't see them moving the ball very well Mark uh, through the air. Marquez Calloway has been great over these last couple of games, still dealing with some drops, but him matched up with A.J. Terrell. I'm going to take AJ Terrell in that matchup every time as Mark, as Marquez Calloway is still trying to develop. Uh, you could get a little bit, you know, of a surprise from Deontay Harris, his second game back after the three game suspension. That's maybe a place that you could see the Saints get a little bit more production in terms of yards after catch production in the passing game. But I think for the Saints, this is going to be all about grinding it out. It's going to be defense and run game. Yeah, you bring up a lot of interesting points that Marquez Callaway uh, matchup with uh, AJ Terrell will be interesting because we saw AJ Terrell for the first time this season shadow um, uh, uh, an opposing receiver last week against Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. PFF didn't like his performance in that game, but watching the film, I thought AJ Terrell uh, yeah. played really well uh, against one of the premier wide receivers. And you talk about Callaway's recent performance, and we saw. Um, in that week nine game, the Falcons for the first time really all season long were like, we're going to man up these Saints receivers. And it was really effective at slowing down that passing attack. And I imagine mm-hmm. they'll do a similar thing. You mentioned the Saints run game and, and going up against these linebackers. It's interesting that you bring up Deion Jones because Deion Jones, uh, to much of the chagrin of Falcon fans, has not performed particularly gro- well mm-hmm. over the second half of the season. Foyer Aluakun has played really well over these last couple of weeks. Uh, and, and, People are talking about changes potentially this offseason, but we know that Deion Jones has a strong history of showing out against this New Orleans Saints team. So he can certainly, uh, you know, win back a lot of Falcon fans with one of those uh, pivotal big plays that he has been known to make in this matchup. Um, and, you know, the, the sort of the last key matchup for me is, is going to be the Falcons versus Taysom Hill. We've touched upon some of these things. As you mentioned, um, the Saints are going to be king on their running the football. One of the things I, I thought was interesting was that Taysom Hill, if you look at his PFF grades, has been very good against the Blitz this season Yes, uh, compared to um, what Trevor Simeon, who struggled in that capacity in his uh, limited starts so far this season. But Taysom Hill, when he's not blitzed, is not particularly good. Not as good. (laughs) Um, Which is the opposite of what you would traditionally think. And so I wonder if the Falcons do decide to man up these Saints receivers, typically one of the things that you like about that is it allows you to maybe be a little bit more aggressive blitzing, but you do wonder, do you want to do that against Taysom Hill? But then you have the dilemma that we were talking about earlier, which is the Falcons cannot get reliable pressure with four guys. They, mm-hmm. they, they can't do that. So do you just sit back and just hope that your guys can cover forever and hope that eventually Grady Jarrett or, or Dante Fowler get home? And again, that's why the presence of Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek could play a key role in that sort of matchup. So I'll be curious to see how Dean P schemes it up. Does he get aggressive and say, you know what? I don't care if Taysom Hill has been good against other teams against the blitz. This is the way that we're going to have to play and we're going to be aggressive. Or does he get conservative and and not throw those blitzes at them and not decide to man up uh, guys? Because 
you know, Taysom Hill has that running ability. And typically teams like to have more defenders with eyeballs on the quarterback when he can have that escapability. And that means playing a little bit more zone. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting dilemma for Dean Pease in terms of what he's going to draw up. But uh, certainly I, I, you know, respect the uh, the venerated uh, defensive coordinator in this league for three, four decades. So I'm sure he'll come up with something that will work for the Falcons. But I'll, uh, certainly it's going to be a dilemma if the Falcons can't step up, particularly on the front. And then, of course, you know, if they can't stop the run, that's the Saints game was basically the only game where the Falcons were able to stop the run mm-hmm. this season. And so it starts with that. If they can't do that again, then they're going to have a lot of problems because really at that point, nothing Dean Pease is going to draw up is really going to work if they can't uh, limit the Saints from, uh, you know, running the football and establishing the run in this game. Yeah, both defensive coordinators uh, have an opportunity to put on a real showcase uh, in, in this one. I think this that, that could be a big difference maker between Dean Pease and, of course, Dennis Allen as well. We'll talk a little bit more about that. We'll get into what a win looks like for each one of these teams as those Atlanta Falcons are going to be hosting the New Orleans Saints in an attempt to try to stop them from getting into the playoffs, making their playoff run that no one anticipated. So we'll see what they're able to get done here, and we'll talk about how they can make it all happen as we continue on this Locked On crossover here, Locked On Falcons, Locked On Saints. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about my favorite app. Uh, You know, Aaron, not a lot of people know this about me, but I drive a pickup truck. I don't think I can say the brand and the name of the truck, but it starts with a T and it ends in an Toyota. And so I, I end up having to you know fill up quite a bit because, you know, it kind of burns gas a little while, but I love my pickup truck. I'm never going to get rid of it. Literally going to drive that thing until I'm 80. And so it, right now, when you have gas prices that are like kind of through the roof and everything like that, it, it, it kind of stinks, right? You spend a lot of money on that. So I'm really, really grateful for our sponsors here in, in, with GetUpside because they have equipped me with what has become my favorite app and maybe the app that I use the most behind only Twitter uh, is the GetUpside app. Because it gives you up to 25 cents back per gallon every time that you fill up at a select gas station. It's really incredible. So if you're you know, looking for a way to save a little bit of money, you could save $200, $300 a month if you drive a lot. Just by using this app, you can get it directly to your account, PayPal. You can even get it as an Amazon gift card and other brands as well. So go and check it out. It's the GetUpside app. You can download it in your app store. Don't forget to use a promo code on your first fill up though, touchdown. It's going to give you a 25 cent, nice little quarter there bonus. 50 cents back per gallon. So if you're in a place like over on the West Coast where gas is like $4.99 a gallon, you can knock that down to $4.49, save yourself a little bit of money, and then have that, you know, be able to cash that out at the end of the month or really whenever you want. No catches, no shysty business, nothing like that. It's just the GetUpside app. Go and check it out. Don't forget that promo code TOUCHDOWN so you can get that 50 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. So we're wrapping up Locked on Falcons, Locked on Saints crossover Thursday here with myself, Aaron Freeman and Ross Jackson. And let's talk about what a win looks like for both of these teams. Ross, I will start with the Falcons. We touched upon already some of these issues. I think the Falcons have to get off to a fast start. And if they do so, that will aid their ability to stop the run. Talked already about the Falcons have not been 
very effective stopping the run so far this season. That Saints game uh, was uh, the first time and pretty much the only time that they've really had an effective run defense in this season. And do you wonder if Lightning is basically going to strike twice? Uh, you know, I'm not going to bet on it. So I think the offense can do this defense a great service by getting off to an early lead like they did last time and force the Saints to have to sort of abandon the run and put Taysom Hill into throwing mode. And, and that's where we know that he is not at his best. Uh, and if the Falcons can do that, get off to an early start, um, convert in the red zone um, with playmakers like Hayden Hurst and Cordero Patterson, Mike Peterson or Mike Davis, I'm sorry, and uh, Russell Gage, that will allow them to keep that pressure on this Saints team. Um, and hopefully, you know, unlike last time, you know, get that early lead and not blow it in the fourth quarter. Uh, as they did, but you know, Cordero Patterson stepped up big for them yeah. uh, at late in the game and, and really set up that walk off uh, game winning field goal from Young Wayku. So it's probably going to come down to that final possession, as every divisional Falcons Saints matchup looks like. And I, I think a good fast start. Um, I don't think it's going to be a high scoring type of performance. It's going to be a, a ground and pound. I think both teams uh, are going to want to run the football, and I think the Falcons will have the ability to do so. Uh, in order to keep that Saints pass rush that has come on really strong at bay in this game. And so it's going to be kind of a old school smash mouth type of football. You know, we, we got so used to Reese versus Ryan and these sort of <laughs> shootouts for many, many years. I think this is going to be a Mike Davis, Alvin Kamara, Cordero Patterson, uh, Mark Ingram type of performance. Mm -hmm. And whichever group performs the best is, is going to come out strong at the end. Yeah, look, I, I think that's. I think that's spot on in terms of what the what the Atlanta Falcons need to do, but it's also a good look inversely at what the New Orleans Saints need to do, right? Like they're going to need to be able to run the ball. This is the team for the first time in the Sean Payton era that so far through 17 games has not, or 16 games, 17 weeks, hasn't scored a touchdown on their opening drive. They've gotten some points on their opening drive, particularly here recently, but they haven't scored a touchdown on their opening drive. And if they can't do it against Atlanta, it'll be the first time in Sean Payton's history as the New Orleans Saints head coach over the course of 15 years, 16 seasons, that it didn't happen for a season. It's already not happened for a 17 game season or a 17 week season. So I think that that becomes a huge part of what New Orleans has to be able to do. They're going to have to string together some of those long drives, right? Those six play, six plus play drives that end up taking off some time, taking some time off the clock, getting to the double digits every now and then. And so I think that that becomes a big piece of what you're going to be looking for them to do over on the offensive side. It's convert first downs, which they haven't necessarily done. And I'm talking about from first down to first down, second down to first down, third down to first down, like they've been a little bit behind on that in terms of extending drives. So they have to win early on in the first uh, on first downs. In their first seven first downs against Carolina last week, the Saints only had two positive plays. Everything other than that was five, either no gain or negative plays. So they have to be able to fix that, put themselves in more advantageous positions in the second and third, uh, second and third downs. And I think that that's where either. Getting a healthier offensive line helps you out. They should at least get Eric McCoy back, a name we haven't mentioned yet that could that missed last week that could be should be back for the Saints. He's already off the COVID nineteen list. They brought him and Marcus Wilson, or excuse me, Marcus Williams off on uh, Saturday before the Sunday matchup against Carolina. Hope with the hopes that they might be able to test back in, but uh, unfortunately weren't able to. So they were already activated. So if you're looking for news about whether or not they will be, don't have to worry about it. They're activated. They should be in in this game. Uh, in addition to those other offensive linemen that we've talked about. And so I think for the Saints over on the offensive side, they have to be able to pull the trigger in the passing game every now and then. 
Uh, 20 to 25 throws for Taysom Hill is where they're going to want to be. If they can get over the century mark in terms of the run game, their sort of sweet spot has been 120 rushing yards total as a team. That will be the sort of goal that they're shooting for and then winning time of possession. Special teams is going to have to do another good job flipping the field, Um, you know, be able to be in a situation to where last week, for instance, Blake Gillikin, every time that he punted, the average starting field position for Carolina was their own 15, and they started twice in the third quarter within their own 10. That type of, if you can't get the offense rolling, that type of special teams play is going to have to help out and get Atlanta's backs up against the wall and make them sort of fight and claw their way out of a corner a bit. And then for the Saints' defense, it's the pass rush, right? That's where it all starts. But it, well, that's where it all needs to end up. But where it all starts is what Cam Jordan says every time stop the run, then you get to have fun as defensive linemen. And so that's what they're going to look to do. They're going to look to stop the run, make sure that that doesn't feel like an option for Atlanta. And then that way they're able to pin their ears back and get after Matt Ryan a bit. Look for CJ Gardner Johnson to be an active blitzer in this game and to be a nuisance as he, as he so often finds a way to be. Yes. But not only is he a nuisance, he produces on the field, right? He has sealed a couple of games now with big interceptions, the Tampa Bay game, the Carolina game. Can he do it against the Atlanta Falcons to finish up the division trio there? We'll find out. But I think he's going to be somebody that's going to be very active in this one as a blitzer in the multiple different roles that he can serve. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Marshawn Lattimore spending a little bit more time with Cordero Patterson this time around, as opposed to Paul Sinadibo, the young rookie that ended up, you know, being half a step out of position on that big 60 plus yard uh, reception down the right sideline that led to the game winning field goal for Young Waku, who's absolutely automatic. And so you can't give the Atlanta Falcons that opportunity late in the game again. Shout out to Paulson Adebo for not only blowing that coverage to help the Falcons beat the Saints, but also for shutting down um, Devontae Parker a couple of weeks ago to ah. help my fantasy team get into the championship. <laughs> Let's be so fair. I, I, Devontae I, Parker I, shut himself down. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to say that. So yes. Paul, Paulson Adebo is a hero in my book as far as I'm concerned. I hope he can ruin that for you this week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, he, from hero to zero. So we'll see what happens in this Sunday matchup. Obviously, big intensity type of game for the Saints. They have to win, so you know they're going to bring it. And it's going to be interesting to see if this Falcon team can match that intensity and go blow for blow and in this Arthur Smith year one uh, on a really positive note with a sweep of the Saints for the first time in over five years and, and get this Falcons, at least, you know, whether you believe in momentum and whatnot, at least a little bit of momentum heading into the offseason. So we'll see what that is on Sunday. And, of course, that's going to do it for us here on the Crossover Thursday with Aaron Freeman here, Locked on Falcons, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints, and always appreciate you guys for making Locked on Falcons or Locked on Saints your first listen each and every day. And we always have recommendations for what your second listen should be on the variety of podcast platforms and YouTube that you can find both shows. And of course, always got to plug the Locked on Bets podcast where our boy Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports is giving you those daily picks, those blowout specials. And of course, Lee's lock of the day. It's always big money for you there, easy money for you to make by checking out Locked on Bets, free and available on the same podcast platforms that you can find Locked on Falcons and Locked on Saints. So for Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints, Aaron Freeman here of Locked on Falcons, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. We'll be having a lot more to say about this game on both shows as this week unfolds, and we'll just sort of have to see what unfolds on Sunday between the Falcons and Saints.